All right, all right, all right. Everybody find your seat, please. Bob, thank you for reading for the class today. All right. No, 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 no. Lee, Sharon, am I going to need to move you two? I do not want a repeat of last Monday. All right. Um, for our writing prompt today, I want to pick up where we left off yesterday. Yesterday we were talking about waiting. Yes, good. And you wrote some beautiful uh, pieces yesterday. Thank you for turning those in. You guys gave some really wonderful examples of ways that we experience waiting today. And so some of those are, hmm, yes, waiting at the bus stop. You are correct. And oh, yes, that one cracked me up. Waiting for your meal at the restaurant so you eat all the tortilla chips, right? Yes. Waiting, waiting for your first baby to be born. That was a beautiful one. Yes, what else, what else? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh. Waiting at the airport for your luggage, absolutely. And then yesterday, we were talking about a lot of the emotions and responses that come from waiting, and things that we came up with were anxiety. Mm-hmm, we talked about that nervousness. Excitement, mm-hmm. Apprehension, another good word for anxiety, yes. Curiosity, oh, you, these are wonderful words, class, wonderful. So today, I wanna talk about a response that can come out of waiting, and this is more of an action response. Today, I wanna talk about the idea of searching. And why do we search? Right? It's because we long for something. We want it. We need it. We want it to be with us. Maybe it belongs to us, right? And so we have to go and find that. Now, there is a very popular game that is experienced in most cultures around the world. Can you guys think of what that is? Hide and seek. Oh, brilliant. This is why... I always want you guys in my class. I like getting the smarties. All right, hide and seek. And the, the basic premise is always pretty much the same. Everybody hides and someone's gotta go and find them. And sometimes the details shift just a little bit. Sometimes one person hides and everyone has to go and find them. Or sometimes maybe if you're hiding, you're allowed to try and sneak out of your place and get to home base before the person who's looking finds you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, oxen free, right? But the premise is always kind of the same. Someone hides and someone seeks. So why do we play this game? I mean, please tell me it is not so that we get better at waiting. <sighs> And please tell me it's not so that we get better at looking, although some of you could do that when you need to turn your papers in. If it was just that, you know, if it was just about hide or seek, then someone would have, would have named it, dude, go find it. But we don't. It's called hide and seek. Why? Well, I think the why is actually in this beautiful word hidden in the title. Do you guys see it? Right here, and, oh, class, and is such a beautiful conjunction, because what it does is it tells us that two things are connected. Two things belong together. It's not just hide, 
It's not just seek, it's hide and seek the togetherness, right? So when, when we're, we're playing, we're hiding, we want our friend to come and find us. And we want to be able to find our friend and when we do this, so the game can continue, we want to keep being together. We want to keep celebrating. And of course, we find each other. And we're like, oh, I couldn't believe you were hiding there. And oh, you ran so fast. But it's the togetherness that's so exciting with that, right? Good. And so today, for your writing prompt, I want you to be thinking about that. Yes, Hakim. That is very good. Class, what do you... What do you think? Is there a difference, an implied difference, if someone is hiding or if someone is lost? Mm, I'm seeing heads nod. Hakeem, good question. So here's what I would say, kind of just spitballing here because you caught me off guard. I'm going to answer from the seeking point of view since we're talking about searching today. I think that the implied difference between something hiding and something that's lost is there's an increase in urgency, right? I mean, so think about that example of when, we, when you're at the airport, right? You're waiting for your luggage and it's all coming, da 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 and you kind of want to sit on that thing, but you know what, you'll get in trouble from the security at the airport. So you're, you're behaving like everyone else and you're watching, and then you realize everyone's finding their luggage and going home and you're still waiting, and there's a moment when you realize your luggage is not hiding from you. Your luggage is lost. <laughs> and immediately, the urgency jumps a little bit, right? Because your trip has a whole nother layer that got added on. Whether you're going or coming home, suddenly something that wasn't going to be part of the trip is part of the trip. Um, suddenly you realize you need way more information than you had had. You realize you're mm, probably going to need some help. And suddenly that bag that was filled with your dirty underwear and those knickknacks you paid way too much money for is very, very valuable, isn't it? There's an urgency. So here's what I would say, Hakeem. I would propose that whether you're looking for something that's hiding or you're looking for something that's lost, the desired outcome is the same. We want to be reunited with that thing that is hiding or lost. And when it is found, there's going to be celebration. There is relief. There is rejoicing. And so as you prepare to respond, as you as you read, as you reflect, here's what I want you to think about. If you are searching, please search with the urgency of one who wants to be reunited with something valuable. And if you are lost, remember this. There is someone who will not stop looking for you, who urgently wants to be with you, and when you are found, there will be big celebration. Read, reflect, write. Thank you, class. Don't you wish that you could be in like fifth grade and have Miss Emily as your teacher? So good, thanks, Em. Can you relate to that feeling? Something being lost? Maybe you lost your keys, or your wedding ring, or your kid at the grocery store, 
or maybe you were that kid at the grocery store that was lost, um, or have you ever been working on um, like a Word doc on your computer and then you quit before you save? And you're like, can I get it back? Can I get it back? And you call someone. Yes, that has happened too many times to me. The goal of this service today, what we're trying to do by by engaging in these stories and through Emily's um, drama, is to connect with the heart of God, to connect with the heart of God in these these parables that Jesus gives us, that God is, is seeking after us. So as you listen to the stories, as you watched Emily perform, I told you to be thinking about what do these stories tell us about who God is and what God is like? And that's not just a rhetorical question. I want to hear from you because I have things to say, but this is a a wise room here. And I want to hear from you. I want us to be able to hear from each other. What do these parables, what does Emily's performance tell us about who God is and what God is like? You can go ahead and shout it out. Cherishes us. Thanks, Marlis. Hope. Never gives up. Everlasting love. Guidance. Guidance. Cares about each one individually. Thanks, Pat. Relationship. Did I hear that right? Mm -hmm. Unconditional love. What else? A couple more. God likes to party. Yes, John. Woo! God always seeks the lost. Thanks, Loretta. Redemption. Patience. And then there was one more in the back. Valued. Peace. Good. One more. I put the pressure on you. What's God like? <laughs> He'll pursue us even though what? I still have no idea what you're saying at the end, but he'll pursue us. <laughs> what a great segue into a couple of... Thank you for, for sharing. Uh... The couple of things that stood out to me that I want to talk about a little bit more today is that God pursues us, that God rejoices over us, he likes to party, and that God reminds us we're worthy, we're worth the work to find. So first, God pursues us. Did you notice, I found it interesting that in three of the four lost things in these parables, and yes, there were four, we had the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost younger brother, and the lost older brother. In three of those scenarios, those characters played no part in their being found. God did the the finding, the woman, the shepherd, the father. God pursues us. And as we look throughout the Bible, we see this theme of God pursuing us again and again and again. And it really gets summarized in arguably one of the most famous passages in the Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that God gave, that God came. In Joshua Ryan Butler, he used to be a pastor here in Portland, in his book, The Pursuing God, he writes it like this. Being lost doesn't mean that you must go out to find God. 
it means that God is coming to find you. Lost means loved. Lost means loves. I loved that part of it. Often I'll hear people say, oh, that person's lost, or I've used that language before. And it kind of has like a negative connotation to it, right? Like, oh, they probably, they like screwed up. There's something wrong with them. They can't get their life on track. They're lost. But what these stories tell us, what these illuminate, is that lost means loved. That like the the shepherd, God is going to risk everything in order to go find And like the woman, God is going to search day and night by lamplight to try and find what's lost. And like the father, God is going to leave the party that he initiated in order to go out and find his son to bring us back home. God pursues us. And second, God rejoices over us. So I have something to confess to you guys. I know that God loves me. I theologically believe that. And I, and, and, I, and I like know that in my heart too, that God loves me. The thing is that there's still this part of me deep down that, that believes the kind of love that God has for me is like this very practical kind of love. And it's um, very pragmatic and, transa- and transactional. Like, like yes, I, God loves me. God will manage my life or God loves me. God will give me the things that I really need. And in return, I'll be like this really good, obedient Christian daughter. It's a very faithful love. It's very safe and predictable. The thing is, it's not all that inspiring. It doesn't really compel me to to risk, to step out in faith. To, to follow with conviction when it's hard and with desire, to partner with God with passion and with expectation. That takes a belief in a different kind of love. And I think that's exactly the kind of love that these parables are giving us an imagination for. They invite us to see a God that's not just practical about us, that's not indifferent about us, They invite us to see a God that's willing to throw a party for us, who wants to celebrate our presence. They invite us to see a God who rejoices over us. How does that land with you? Are you like me, where you're like, I'm comfortable with like, God's like faithful, practical love for me. But does it start to make you a little bit uncomfortable when you think about God like, It does for me, and yet I desire that so much. And there's a part of me that really struggles to rest in that and to believe that. There's not a neutral reaction from the God characters in these, in these stories. So the shepherd isn't like, oh, great, you sheep, you're back, good, get in line. <laughs> and the woman doesn't just feel like relief. Oh, okay, good, I found the, the thing I was missing. And the father doesn't give this like passive aggressive cold shoulder to the son when he finally comes home of like, okay, glad you glad you figured out what was what was right and glad you're here. What do those God characters do instead? They rejoice. They're happy. They invite their whole community to rejoice. Because, like Emily was saying, because this. Because what was lost was found, because lost means loved. 
because God values and cherishes the together. God rejoices over us. A few months ago, I shared with um, some folks from the prayer team that I was navigating some anxiety, that I was struggling with this, with this image of God. And um, a, couple, a, a little while later, they came to me with this scripture from Zephaniah chapter 3. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And that image of a, of a rejoicing, joyful God, it's been something I've really been leaning into the last couple of months. I've been using this as my breath prayer, so I'll breathe it in and breathe it out whenever I start to feel that anxiety kind of tighten around my heart. Thank you for your joyful love for me, God. Thank you for your joyful love for me. And sometimes that belief is like way out here. And then thank you for your joyful love for me. <sighs> thank you for your joyful love for me. And it kind of starts to get its way in. And that image of a joyful God has been so healing for me, continues to invite me into deeper relationship. God rejoices over us. And finally, God reminds us we're worthy. Over the years, we've talked a pretty good bit about shame here at New Hope. We try and make sure that we're shining a light and exposing shame in our culture and the way that we communicate with one another. Shame's mission is to get us to believe that we're not worthy of love and belonging. Shame keeps us stuck in these cycles that Christian counselor Jeff Van Vonderen calls the give up or the try harder cycle. Either give up and just accept shame's messages as true, or try harder and try and prove them wrong. I tend to get stuck in the try harder cycle, personally. But both get us nowhere. They keep us stuck. It's just a game. I think we can get a really great picture of this game happening in the last parable that we looked at in John 15. We see the younger brother in the give up cycle. He comes back, and did you catch what he says? He says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. I am not worthy of love and belonging because of everything I've done. And then we see the older brother stuck in the try harder cycle. He said, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. I'm worthy of love and belonging because of everything I have done. And then the father is like, I don't play that game. That, that shame game of, of giving up, of trying harder, of, of trying to prove my worthiness, that it depends on me and my performance, that game, we don't do that here in this family. Instead, he, the father, he doesn't even listen to the son's speech. He interrupts him with an embrace and then throws a party for him. And then in response to the elder brother, he just smiles and he says, my son, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. In God's kingdom, we're invited to practice new messages. I am already loved. I already belong. I am already worthy because of everything not I've done, but because of everything God's done. It doesn't hinge on me anymore. It's not about my performance. It's taken out of the equation. 
In Jesus, God has taken care of all of that already. All we have to do is practice receiving it and practice believing it. God reminds us that we're worthy. All right, the moment you've all been waiting for. Why do we have popsicle sticks? This is the experiential part of the service, okay? So our goal of, the, of today is to connect with this heart of God, the, the God that pursues us, that rejoices over us, that reminds us we're worthy. And so we're going to have an opportunity for you to connect with that a little bit by playing our own version of hide and seek. <laughs> I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> If you're online, hold tight. We'll have some instructions for you, too. Okay, when I say go, which means not now, let, let, listen to the instructions, okay? When I say go, I want you to look in your area for someone who has the same color popsicle stick as you, okay? Now, if you're welcome to talk with someone, to connect with someone who you know, that's okay. I invite you, if it's in your stretch zone today, to try and find someone with your same color popsicle stick that you don't know yet or that you don't know well yet because we want to create a kingdom of belonging here at New Hope. And so these kinds of opportunities are, are ways for us to start to create that sense of belonging with one another, okay? We're only going to do this for three minutes. And when we were in the planning meeting, um, I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, really just emphasize, like, I know this is hard, and, the other, and someone in the meeting was like, you know what, though? It's actually also like an act of worship that like, we can stretch ourselves to practice these kingdom values. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to use that, totally. So this is an act of worship, you guys. <laughs> Introverts, please come back next week, okay? <laughs> we don't do this all the time. All right, so when I say go, you're going to have three minutes, and there's going to be some questions on the screen. You're going to find someone with your color in your area. Try and stay in groups like less than four. If you get much more than that, split off. And if you're like finding and trying to find someone with a yellow popsicle stick and you can't find someone with a yellow popsicle stick, just, just jump in with someone else, all right? It's okay. Find, find somebody online. If you are um, in the chat, what I want you to do is to respond to these questions in the chat as well, okay? All right, on your mark, get set, go, find your people. Good job, and online community, I'm gonna look, look after this and make sure there was a bunch of chat happening in the chat, all right? Well done, okay, you did it. Is that a good stretch? All right, good, good, good. So earlier this week, maybe it was last week now, I was scrolling through Instagram, like the good millennial I am, and I came across this quote by writer and Christ follower Shabrea Calabras. She was reflecting on how many of us, when we're, when we're deeply honest, that we struggle to believe that God would fully love us after God has fully seen us. And how we often kind of are stuck in that, in that striving to, to either earn or control or, or hold on to God's love for us. And in response to that, she wrote this. We are called to live from within God's embrace, not for it. We can rest in the blessing of being God's beloved, not because we were perfect or because we followed without doubt or fear or despair, but because we said yes to a life of accepting and abiding in the embrace of God. Jesus did more with his sacrifice than we could ever do 
with our striving. And it's that sacrificial embrace of Jesus that we get to celebrate and remember and receive each week with communion. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, and after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body. It's broken for you. Whenever you take this, do so in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood. It's poured out for you. It's a sign of the new covenant. Whenever you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. You can go ahead and participate in communion when you're ready.